If you haven't been here, we have been spending, this is my 14th week on King David and leadership nuggets on King David. And really, this has turned into just life lessons. Leadership, we're all leaders. We all, God expects all of us to have people around us that we are impacting. That's just the end, that's just the result. We are supposed to have people around us that we impact and that makes us, all of us, leaders. And so we've been going through many aspects of David's life and last week we saw that he was still on the run. He was on the run, King Saul was trying to kill him and um, King Saul ended up in a cave. David spared his life even though his friends around him and his, his people around him said, the Lord has delivered him into your hands. David spared his life and, but cut the robe of his garment off so that when Saul went back out amongst his men, David held up the corner of his robe and said, hey, I could have killed you and I spared your life. And King Saul yelled to him and said, you are a better man than I. I'm trying to repay good with evil and you are repaying evil with good. And even in the midst of that, such an e- evil situation going after David, who's such a good man, a man after God's own heart, David still felt bad even cutting his robe, even cutting his robe. And so after that, we saw that David went on the run again from Saul. Saul continued to chase him, even though he complimented David how good he was, decided, you know, messed up again. Envy, strife started to pursue David again. And so David took off into this area. And in this area, he met a bunch of young men that were tending sheep. And they were tending sheep and they're hanging out there for a while. And finally, they ran out of goods. And so they went down to the master of these shepherds. And David sent men to go talk to the master of the shepherds and said to the master, Nabal said, listen, we've been taking care of your men out in the field. We've been protecting them. We've been, ask them yourselves. He said, we've been great to them. Please see fit what is in your heart to give us for some supplies and for food. And Nabal said, basically, you dirty dog, why would I give you anything? And sent message back. Well, David heard this and David is a mighty man, a mighty warrior with warriors around him. And he said, let's go down and kill him and kill every male, every one of the offspring in that place. And so they're riding down full of swords, ready to wipe these people off the planet. And all of a sudden, this young lady runs out by the name of Abigail. And she kneels and face down and bows before David and says, please forgive my husband. He is a fool. (laughs) Now, I don't recommend that in marriage counseling, folks, to go tell everybody your spouse is a fool. But she saved the day. And she said, please forgive me. I know the Lord has anointed you. I know that you will go on to be the king of Israel. Please spare us. Be merciful to us. And so David right there said, thank you for stopping me from being a fool as well. Thank you for stopping me from going and killing all these people. And so we saw how the grace of a woman can absolutely change a situation. And I thought, how many many women over the years have stopped wars? started so many things. And we looked at that, how powerful women are in the Bible. And she could have gone out there and been all tough and been like, I dare you to come, ma'am. You got to go through me to get to your husband. But she was like, just be merciful. Please be merciful. She had so much grace. So anyways, David doesn't kill these people, but word gets back by her what had happened. And he has a heart attack and dies. Abigail's husband. And David sends For Abigail, not just because the Bible says she was beautiful, but he knew what he needed in camp after that incident. He knew that he needed some more grace in camp so he didn't go out and do a bunch of foolish things in his life. So that's where we are with the story of David. So David continues to be on the run, and again Saul is pursuing David. And again, Saul ends up in a camp, and David 
His men go to David and say, listen, the Lord's delivered him into your hands again. He's right there. He doesn't know we're here. And so David takes one man down with him into the camp. And he goes, and instead of this time cutting his robe because he felt bad about it, he just took the sword and a jug of water from beside Saul who was sleeping in the camp. And then he goes back across the valley and he yells to Saul's number one man, his, his military guy, his name is Abner. And he says, Abner, where were you last night when I almost killed your king? And Abner stands up and says, what are you talking about? And David holds up the sword and the jug of water. And it's like one of those oh no moments again. And Saul sees the situation. And again, Saul cries out and says, David, you are much better than I. I would have killed you and you spared me. And so David responds to Saul. And we're going to pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 26, verse 19. And it says this. Now, therefore, please let my Lord, the king, hear the words of his servant. David speaking to Saul. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. But if it is the children of men, if it is men, may they be cursed before the Lord, for they have driven me out this day from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go and serve other gods. So David spares Saul for a second time, calls out, Saul, see what's going on. And David talks to Saul and says this verse. If the Lord has stirred you up, I'll make an offering. But if man has stirred you up, let them be a curse because they are making this thing go crazy. And they're causing bad things to happen. And so basically David says, if the Lord's doing it, I'll give an offering. If man's doing it, let them be a curse because men are crazy. And so David is asking Saul, who are you being stirred up by? God or man? David spares Saul because of God. But Saul is trying to kill David because of man. Listen to that for a second, because that's what I'm going to focus on today. David spares Saul because of God. But Saul is chasing and trying to kill David because of man. Did you get that? And I look at this verse and what David even says, and it shows me a couple things. It says that God is merciful. Because David says, if it's God stirring you up, I'll just make him an offering. And God won't stir you up anymore. He'll take my peace offering. But if it's man, he's like, curse them because men are going to make you do stupid things. And so it goes to show me here that God is usually more merciful than man. And it's usually man who's making the mess and going after people, not God. Did you understand that? And so my conclusion is God is often more merciful than people. Not is often. God is more merciful than people. And God is often more merciful than Christians. Let's pause there. God is more merciful than Christians who are supposed to be acting like him because we are made in the image and likeness of God. So I am just going to read about 10 or 11 scriptures here this morning on man's ability to stir up crap. I'm a hick preacher. I say it that way. Strife, crap, whatever. Man's ability to stir up crap. Proverbs 15.18 says this. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he is slow to anger and lays contention. Rests it, puts it to rest, makes it peaceful. A wrathful man stirs up strife, 
But he who's slow to anger lays contention. Now just stop there for a second and just don't think about everybody else you're trying to point out and, and blame today. Okay? This morning is for yourself. Every morning should be that way. For yourself. What about you? What is God saying to me this morning? How do I live my life out? First of all, am I a wrathful man? Is it easy for me to get angry? You know what? I, I, I got my moments. I do. And most of the time I shut my mouth when I'm angry, but there are times and even times recently where, you know, the, thing, the times I regret the most is when I open my mouth when I'm mad. Because either I say something that shouldn't be said, maybe it's truthful, but shouldn't say, or I say something in a way that it shouldn't be said because maybe my anger's tainting what I'm saying. So oftentimes I wait for myself to cool back down before I say anything. Because you think differently when you're not mad. And there's a time for righteous anger. We're not talking about those times where you're just mad at the enemy doing stuff. But how easy is it for you to get mad? And secondly, when you get mad, how easy is it for you to open your mouth? Is God stirring you up or is man? 999 times out of 1,000, probably bigger than that, you're stirring yourself up or someone's stirring you up. And are you a person who stirs up anger, stirs up strife because you're angry? Or are you slow to anger because you're a man like last week you looked at? Blessed are what? The peacemakers. For they are the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Proverbs 28, 21. A charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire. So is a contentious man to kindle strife. When you're in a conversation and you hear about somebody, it happens to all of us, and I'm telling you, all of our flesh does this. You hear about somebody, our flesh wants to put in the negative side of somebody. That's so ungodly. That's our fleshly, manly, fallen side that does that. God doesn't do that. You know what, the, you know what one of the names for Satan is in the Bible? The accuser of the brethren. How often do we speak negatively about people? Do you know what gossip is? Let me define gossip for you. And the Bible hates gossip. It calls people 100% fools that gossip. He says they're worse than fools. They break up friendships. They break up good, godly relationships. You know what gossip is? Gossip is, is when you talk to somebody negatively about somebody else. When the person you're talking to can't solve the problem. So rest on that for a second. That's what gossip is. Gossip is defined as that when you talk to somebody negatively about somebody else, when the person you're talking to can't solve the problem. So if you're going to somebody to solve a problem is one thing, but if you're just talking about it just so you can tell somebody else about what this person is like, you're gossiping. I'm gossiping if I do that. It's going to be a hard morning, folks, but just keep a smile on your face. And we are like wood to fire when we do that. And it kindles strife. It pulls relationships apart. I hate it when I hear gossip. I hate that stuff. Why? Because I know the outcome of it. People say, oh, it's just for this or just so I can pray about it or just the people close to me should know. But here's what happens. When that seed is sown, that seed goes into effect to pull 
relationships apart that should never be broken. God wants to mend relationship. God wants to build bridges. Blessed are the peacekeepers, peacemakers, for they are the children of God. Proverbs 29, 22. An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in transgressions. You know what this says? And this doesn't mean you have to be yelling to be angry. This doesn't mean that you have to be screaming and frothing at the mouth. You could be irritated about somebody and just want to spew strife about them. But it says when you do that, you're full of transgression. You're full of sin. You're, 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 we're, and, and we're not sinners. We are saints. We're saints that sin. But our mouths, are, the Bible says, are supposed to be seasoned with salt, imparting grace to the hearers. Everywhere we go, we have the ability to build the kingdom of God, or as we're going to see in a scripture coming up, be in envy and strife where the Bible says when that is going on, every demonic work is going on. An angry man stirs up strife and a furious man abounds in transgressions. Somebody say it's good preaching, even though I'm preaching this way. <laughs> Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So if someone confronts you, is your reaction, he started it? Yeah, he probably did. She probably did. But what does the Lord expect from us? He expects us to be the peacemakers, for we're the children of God. And what does it say? A soft answer turns away wrath. And at the end of the day, if somebody comes at you and then you start fighting with them, it's the blind leading the blind that we looked at a few weeks ago. And the Bible says when the blind lead the blind, everybody falls in a ditch. And so he started it, boom, boom, boom. You both look like fools. But when somebody starts something and you give a soft answer, not only does it turn away wrath, but who do you think looks like the better person in the long run anyways? People love to be around people of grace. People want Abigails in their life. When people are so graceful to other people, other people want to protect them and hold them in close. We, we desire that. We desire to see people of grace and have people of grace around us. Why? Because it makes us better. Because one of the hardest things to do in life is what? Be gracious. And when you find those people that we're all supposed to be walking like, it is such a wonderful, wonderful attribute. So is your first reaction is like, you talking to me? You started this, I'm going to finish this? Or is it, what's up? What can I do? What, how, how can I help the situation? Why are you so mad? You know? When I get into, when I deal with people that are in confrontation, and don't get me wrong, I get in a few myself. Um, but there's two types of people that I usually deal with. There's people that just want to tell their side. Well, you should have seen what they did. They did this, they did that, they did this, and it's their fault. And I have both kinds of people in my life. And then there's people that come to me and say, hey, you know what? That shouldn't have happened. How can I be a better person so that doesn't happen again? What can I do to change? And that's what we all need to realize. We're only in control of one person in our lives. And that's ourselves. And so how do you react to a situation? Trying to make your point? Or do you react in a situation going, how can I change this? How can I make this better? Even if it's a thousand percent their fault. How can I be the one? to smooth this over. And we're going back to anger. That's the only time I get out of those situations. I'm usually pretty good that way, unless I'm furious. And that's why anger is not a thing we want to walk in. I'm preaching good. 
I know, this is one of those mornings where it's like, dang, quit talking, Trent. This is all coming at me too. The word, the word does not escape me. <laughs> Proverbs 28, 25. He who is proud is of a proud heart stirs up strife. But he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. So it's saying those who are proud in heart stir up strife, but those who trust in the Lord don't. It's also saying that, right? So when people are doing that, you can look at people like that and say, they're proud in heart. But you look at the people that are the gracious ones and try to simmer down and be a peacemaker, people look at them and go, man, they're godly. Or if they're people that aren't of faith, look at people like that and go, wow, like, how do you do that? And then you'll even get talked to like, why do you, why do you let them walk over you like that? Well, because I'm the stronger person, right? We have the extremes and we have moments where you have righteous anger and you need to protect yourself and your family. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about 99.99999% of the time, right? Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse man sows strife. This is, this is crazy. A whisper separates the best of friends. You want to talk about relationship? The Bible says that strife is so powerful and bad seed and gossip is so powerful that it can separate the very best of friends. Very best of friends. Isn't that crazy? It has the power to separate the best of friends. Strife. Contention. I don't want to separate the best of friends. Do any of you know? Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up strife. Look at this. Love covers all sin. So do we, in a conversation around people, in our families, or in our friend groups, or at work, do we talk about people's bad stuff? Because God says that if we walk in the agape kind of love, that we'll actually cover that up. We'll try to stop it. We'll try to stop a conversation. We'll try to cover it up. We won't bring it up. Why? Because God's forgiven it. Who are we not to? And the problem with the law, I want to warn you guys right now, and this is why, you know why I'm usually so gracious in my conversations, and you know why I usually don't go after people and I give them the benefit of the doubt? I'll tell you one reason. It's not because I'm so perfect. It's the opposite. It's because I realize the stupid stuff that I do. And I realize that if I start to operate under the law and I start to point my fingers at people, guess what's pointing back at me? And all of a sudden, I'm in the law, and the law starts to show up in my life. And all of a sudden, I, the things that I don't want seen and heard start to rise up because I'm not being gracious. And if we operate in the law, we don't want to operate in the law. We want to operate in grace. And what does the Bible says? That you have been forgiven, therefore forgive others. You know, the old covenant was when we forgive, we're forgiven. That's the old covenant. When we forgive, we're forgiven. That's not the new covenant. The new covenant is you're already forgiven and because you're, I've forgiven you totally and you're so blessed and I'm so gracious with you, do so with somebody else. Walk in the same manner as you've been forgiven. And how have we been forgiven? Totally. Everything that any of us have ever done has been forgiven. Thank you, Lord. And so I go, oh, God, I don't even want to think of some of the stuff and therefore, I don't want to start getting in the law and pointing the fingers at other people. That makes sense? So, not only am I doing it because I want to try to be like God, but I know where I've been, and I don't want to operate in that law. God is so gracious with me. 
that I don't want to start pointing the fingers because it'll start coming out of the woodwork and all of a sudden the stuff that I buried is going to start coming back. James 3, 4 through 6. Look at these ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot desires, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest fire it kindles. So it's talking about the, the, the fire, the, the tongue, and it can start fires. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it's set on fire by hell itself. The Bible warns of our tongue. It says it's almost impossible to tame unless we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. And so you know what's proof that we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us? It's our lack of gossip. You say I'm Holy Ghost filled and I'm praying, I'm doing healing and all this kind of stuff, and then we start talking about our brother? It's like what 1 Corinthians 13 says, right? It says you can have faith where you move mountains, you can heal the sick, you can do all this great stuff in the Holy Ghost. But if you do not love, the Bible says you're like clanging brass in the ears of God. James 3, 14 So if you have bitter envy and self-seeking, another translation says strife, in our hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Keep going. For wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, this type of wisdom, envy and strife, does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For wherever envy and self-seeking exists, strife, another translation, confusion and every evil thing are there. So if we're having a gossip session at the table, you know what the Bible says? That none of the wisdom is coming from above, but it's fully demonic and full of evil. Trent, why don't you give us some good news? It is good news. We can cover things with love. Ourselves, too. Proverbs 29, 11. This one people hate. A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. That kind of goes against some modern-day counseling. Just spill it all out. God says, don't. Think about what you're going to say. Because words are powerful and they start fires and they do forest fires and even on your own self, sometimes bringing up too much just makes you go crazy again. A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Like I was saying earlier, fools are angry. And if you calm down and still want to talk about a situation calmly, then that's where you need to do it. If you're mad at somebody, don't talk to them when you're mad. If you can't avoid it, I say, I just need some time. Need some time. Next one, Proverbs 10, 19. This is a good one too. Now, we're shifting a little bit, but this is good. In a multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. When I read this verse years ago, I cut my talking down in half, at least. In a multitude of words, sin is not lacking. You know, that means if you're always talking, you're probably going to be sinning. If you've got to talk about everything and everybody, you're going to be sinning. In a multitude of words, sin is not lacking. You want know to saying? Think before you speak. Think. Speak. And think about what God would want. He started it! I know. I know that feeling. I know the feeling. Feel it right now. Next, Proverbs 17, 28. This is awesome. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. Look at that. Even a fool looks wise. You want to look wise? 
Cut your talking in half. You want to look wise? Cut your talking in half. You know what also it says? He who talks a lot looks like a fool, or probably is a fool. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. So you know when you just got to say something? You don't just got to say something. And if you don't, you're going to look wise. You're going to be wise if we hold our tongues. Why? Because our tongues are so powerful. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love its fruit will eat thereof. Which means our tongues, what we say, produces fruit. You want good fruit or you want bad fruit? You want life or you want death? Speak life. Okay. Proverbs 17, last one. Are you ready? Sometimes I just like to let the Bible speak these things and minister to us. So how many are born again in here this morning? How many love Jesus in here this morning? The Bible says that when we got born again, his spirit became witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Bible says that the Father himself, through his spirit, moved in and made his abode on the inside of us and took out the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh and wrote his laws on our heart and resides on the inside of us and gave us a brand new spirit. First Corinthians says, where old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. And so we have a spirit on the inside that has now been made of God. And the Bible says the fruit of this spirit, his spirit in our spirit, is love, joy, joy, smile, peace, peace. We like to bring peace. We are peaceful because we know God. We belong to God. That's where the core of all peace is. The Bible tells us that anxiety causes depression. Anxiety is the fear of the unknown. But when you know that you belong to God and that you are hid in him and your future is hid in Christ, in God, we can take that anxiety and move it over to him. Put it on him. Lord, you got me. What's my next move? Long-suffering? Long-suffering. You know, the Bible tells us that God is long-suffering, wishing that none would perish but all come to repentance. God sees this crazy world and he says, I'm long-suffering because I want them in my kingdom. We see this crazy world and say, you bunch of heathens, can't you be like us? We're doing the exact opposite that God wants us to be like. Right? Long-suffering. Kindness. Just being kind. Hey, how you doing today? No, I don't want to be around you. What about, come sit with me. Well, I don't like that person. Maybe you should like them. Goodness. Just being good to people. Good. The Lord is good, the Bible says, and his mercy endures forever. He's good. Faithfulness. Gentleness. That goes along with today. Gentleness. Calming a situation. And then self-control. I'm going to give them my two cents. That's not self-control. That's your two cents. Right? And against such... What was I talking about? Not wanting to be under the law. Against such, there is no law. When we're gracious with people, we get to experience that grace in our lives so wonderfully. The greatest place to be is, I've been a fool so many times in my life. I'm going to extend that grace to somebody else. It doesn't mean we don't go for perfection. It doesn't mean that we don't be good in what we do and good in our businesses and good in our work. We extend grace everywhere we go. It's the most powerful thing. Is God's grace. 
Did you get something out of that this morning? Father, help us not to gossip. Father, help us to see that only fools just talk strife and stir up things. God, in every situation, in every conversation now, God, may we be bridge builders, peacemakers, and not trying to whisper so that the greatest relationships, even fathers and sons and mothers and daughters and mothers and sons, the Bible says the best of friends can be separated through our whispers. God, I want to be a bridge builder. God, help me. I want to be a peacemaker. God, may I be that person that I'm so secure in you and my future is so hid in you that I don't need to I don't need to push my way into anything. For it's you who opens the door. Good Lord, good Lord. I thank you for your goodness. God, just a piece of this. May we walk in this this week. Convict us, Lord, where it's happening. And God, prompt us where we need to bring words of life and grace to people. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I guarantee you that every person here is going to be able to put this into practice this week. And it's probably not going to be before the day's out. (laughs) At some point, we're about to say something we shouldn't. And we're going to go, no. Hold our mouths back. Speak life. Speak life. Amen.